0: This morning's reading is from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen, and thanks be to God.
1: Over the past uh, couple of weeks, we've looked at different aspects of uh, what it is to be church and what the physical embodiment of that should look like in this place. So far we've seen that we are supposed to be worshippers, we are supposed to be Bible learners and livers, people of prayer, spirit-filled, a part of a family that makes a real effort to share Jesus with others. So today is the second last description. And the verse says this, I have a dream, my dream of a serving church where members serve one another, where the practical resources of the fellowship are shared, where our love for one another spills out to the world outside, where members are involved in the community, where those involved in the community are supported, where the needs of the weak receive priority, and where God's love is seen in deed as well as in word. Now, just in case you're sitting there thinking, oh no, here we go again. Another sermon where we're going to be asked to do more and give more. No. Well, a little bit. But mainly no. Because I want to think actually about the idea of call. The call of God. We understand that kind of in terms of the Church of Scotland, as a minister is called to a congregation, congregation has the right of call, and all of that kind of stuff. We get that idea that there's a, a, a transaction, if you like, that, that takes place uh, in, in that sense. And you have to um, pray that both lots get that right. But there's, there's much more to it than that. That's how we can kind of understand it in terms of, of the, the church But the concept and the purpose of a divine call is not something that we create. It's something that God puts within us. Throughout history, God has called people to him and called people to serve him. Just in case you're not familiar with him, I'll I'll tell you about one or two. In the book of Genesis, from chapter 6, right at the beginning of the Bible, it tells us there how people had become so evil that God was fed up with them. Now, we always imagine that God is is love and God God would never get fed up with us. But he was so intensely angry and annoyed and upset with them that he decided that they had to be destroyed. And so he called Noah and told him to build and fill an ark. And Noah became the instrument through whom God would restart humanity. Jump forward six chapters to Genesis chapter 12. And there we find a man called Abram who would become Abraham. God intended to raise up a nation of people that he would work through, and that nation was to set an example to everybody else around them of what it meant to be a people that belonged to God. He called Abraham to leave a place called Ur and to go. And he would tell him, when he got there, that he was in the right place. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't strike me as a great deal. Eh? Go start walking, take your family, take everything you own, and just go, and eventually, at some point, I'll tell you to stop. I like it much more clearly defined than that. But then, we see... (coughs) Genesis twelve one to three The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abram was called to leave his home and to travel to a place of promise, and he responded in obedience. His response to God's call was marked and marred by poor judgment. He, he did so many, not just stupid things, but things that were utterly wrong, <laughs> you know. That's his story. And yet God used him. And he used him to lay the foundations of the people of Israel. Later on, there's a man called Samuel. And there's a call in Samuel's life. God chose to raise up a a faithful priest. And late one night, God called to Samuel, and Samuel heard and responded in faith and obedience. And then move forward in time a little bit. And, And there's a problem with King Saul that the people had chosen to be the first king in Israel. And God has a perfect solution to the problem. It's a young shepherd boy called David. Now, let's be honest If you look today, we have a man in Ukraine who was a comedian. And he was elected to rule the country. How often does that kind of thing happen? Because that's not the kind of character, not not the kind of, of, of job description that we look for in people. That we want to be leaders under normal circumstances. And yet here is a man who is standing up to tyranny. Who's not running away. And so there was something in him that people saw, and they voted. There was something in David, a shepherd, that God saw. He was called a man after God's own heart. And God called him to be the earthly king of his people. But again, David... I mean, David murdered somebody... David wasn't really a good guy. He did so many things that he shouldn't have done. But God called him, and God used him to fulfill his plans and his purposes. The people that God calls to serve him are often far from what we would consider perfect. Perfect. Their attitudes and their actions often seem to fall short of what we would expect of someone who was called by God for these great jobs that He gave them to do. But the truth is none of us are perfect. And sometimes we use our imperfections as excuses as to why we can't serve or honor God in the way that He's called us to. We will never be perfect. But God still requires each of us to follow the call that he has placed on our lives. In the Bible, there are uh, many other examples of where God calls people to accomplish his plans and purposes. The Old Testament is filled with passages that describe different leaders, prophets and kings who were called by God for different reasons. We don't have time to look at them, you'll be glad to know maybe. But the calling of the patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob, or the calling of the judges, Deborah, Gideon, Samson, my favorite left-handed Ehud... The calling of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Micah, Joel, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. All of them different, all of them coming with a different message. All of them called by God for their time and their place. What about the New Testament? God calls Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Joseph, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, or how Jesus called his disciples. They're all different, but they all experience that call of God on their lives. And often it's not comfortable or convenient for them. But each of them responded to that call to serve God and his purposes. And so, how do we respond to God's specific call on our lives? Have we responded or rejected uh, that call? And I say specific because every one of us is different. And what God has for each of us is different. At the moment, I am called to be the minister of this congregation. But there have been others before me. All called. And there may well be others after me, depending on what happens with the presbytery plan. Um, but but, you, but you know what I mean? We, we are called for a season, to a place, to a time, to a people, to a, to a role. And it can change over time. But God's call is something that we need to be aware of and to respond to. The New Testament records how Paul was called to be an apostle of Jesus. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, he goes on to describe how God calls people in different ways. He says some are called to be apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. Each of us might have a different call, a different gifting, but the purpose is the same. Those who are called by God have a responsibility to do his work, and that is to build up the church and to bring God's kingdom rule to society. That is what we're called to do. There are other lists of roles. Those are not the only ones. And for Paul, that calling was not a final destination. It was a journey. The call of God requires commitment, and it requires us to move forward in faith. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. God's people are called to Christ and then called to serve Christ until he takes us home to glory. The Bible uses the word call and calling in different uh, theological ways. The words are used in connection with appointment, with destiny, with election, with holiness, with invitation, with naming of ownership, vocation, and worship. And the New Testament picks up all of these ideas and and, and even takes them further, particularly in the writings of Peter and Paul. They use call as a kind of almost technical term for accepting God's invitation of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. Romans 8.30, for example, says, Those God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's God's call. God, by the Holy Spirit, draws people towards Jesus. First Peter 2, 9 says, You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. As disciples of Jesus, we're all called to follow Jesus and to obey him. He makes it clear in Luke 9, 23, when he's speaking to his disciples, he says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. To follow Jesus or to reject Jesus is the ultimate choice each of us will ever make. It's a choice that affects where we spend eternity. To respond to that call of Jesus is to follow him, to trust him and it leads to heaven. To reject that call of Jesus, to to ignore him, to trust in the things of the world, instead it leads to hell. I want to use the the term the call to salvation for that, because that's what it is when when god draws people when people hear the gospel when they hear the good news about jesus there's a call and 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 we have to make a choice In mark 16 jesus says this go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned the call to salvation is a call that is made to every person in the world, to every person who has ever lived or every person who will ever live. And the thing is, of course, we understand that so many people don't hear that. And there's big questions about that. But nevertheless, God expects us, his people, to be telling other people about Jesus. It's their call to accept that Jesus is Lord and Savior, to accept that he has dealt with our sin at the cross. It's the call to express our belief by repenting and by turning away from sin. How does that call come to people? Well, as I said, it comes sometimes through just a conversation with a Christian friend. Sometimes it comes through something that we say or do or hear in church, It might come as we simply sit down and read the Bible. So many people have come to faith by by trying to prove that the Bible is wrong, and they sit down to read it, and all of a sudden they come face to face in confrontation with Jesus. Lots of different ways in which God deals with a person's conscience that they need to be right with him. For 2,000 years and until Jesus comes back, That call of salvation has been made first by him, then by his disciples, and then by every generation of Christians. And we need to be sharing that call with our our community. Then there's a call to sanctification. The word sanctify means to be set apart. The Old Testament uses it to refer both to, to things and to people that were set apart by God for a specific purpose. Sanctification is... It's a a big word that we bandy about in church. It's actually about leaving behind the habits and the attitudes and the actions that are, are wrong in God's sight. It's about trying our best with his help to become more and more like Jesus. And it's something that we all struggle with. I mean, any Christian who tells you that they don't struggle with that isn't being honest. We all struggle with it because we're human. We're selfish. We put our own wants, our own needs, our own desires first so often. And the world that we live in seems to approve and embrace many traits and characteristics that God has said are not right. The call to sanctification is a call to reject the things that God has said are wrong and to live instead a life that brings him honour and glory and praise. We're called to embrace the character, the concern, the consistency of life demonstrated by Jesus. We're saved from the consequences of our sins, but it doesn't give us a license to keep on sinning. The call to sanctification is a call to live a changed life, a new life, a born-again life, a Spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit begins that call to sanctification in our lives, and then he helps us to become more like Jesus. Every time we are confronted with our sin, every time we become aware of a better way to live or to think or to act, every time we experience a desire to be more like Jesus, we are responding to the call to sanctification. And then lastly, there is also a call to service. If you're a believer... You have been called to serve God. Serving doesn't save you. Christ's sacrifice on the cross saves you. Our service is a response to his mercy, to his love, his kindness, in saving us in the first place. And how we choose to serve him is a reflection of how much we love him. i how thankful we are that we have been forgiven, of how thankful we are that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are assured a future with him. In a different version, some of the verses from our reading today say this, in Romans 12, "'In his grace God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well.'" Sometimes we see the call to serve as a nuisance and an inconvenience, an expense in time and effort, something perhaps to avoid. But for those who are being sanctified, the call to service is the opportunity to grow closer to Jesus, the opportunity to offer something of ourselves in return for what we have received from Him. We are called to serve Because Jesus served. We sang it earlier. He was the servant king. And we are called to demonstrate his love. We are called to serve, to build his church, and to share the good news of the gospel with our community. And so the question is, do we love him enough to answer that call to serve? Perhaps you thought you'd retired. There is no retirement age in the kingdom of God. So, Just thought I would put that out there. To those of you who think I can sit back a little bit, it's not how it works in God's kingdom. God still has plans and purposes. I think somebody said, if I'm not dead, he's not finished. Perhaps you've never really worked out what your role in this congregation, in this community is. But God has something for you to get involved with. Maybe the call is to continue what you are already doing. Or maybe the call is to teach someone else to do what you're already doing so that you can have a rest for a wee while. Because rest is also part of the call of God. If you've never responded to that initial call of salvation and asked God to forgive you and offered your life to him in return, then I would love to talk with you about that. Or if you sense that God is calling you to something specific, I'd love to talk with you about that too. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you have a call on our lives. And it starts when you call us into your presence and we realize that we are not worthy, that that we need to be forgiven, we need to receive your grace and your mercy and your compassion, we need you. And when we respond in faith and give ourselves to you and say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, then you call us to become more and more like Jesus. You call us to specific places at specific times. To our workplaces. To our homes. To the places where we meet friends and acquaintances. You have that call in all of these areas of our life. And so, Father, we thank you that we have opportunities to serve. because you call us to do that too. And so, Father, help us to respond to whatever it is you're saying to us. Maybe for the first time to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. And maybe to say, yes, Lord, I'll go to that place or that role or that thing. We thank you, Father, that when you call us to something, you equip us for the task that you've called us to. And so we don't need to be worried about it. We don't need to be frightened of it. We can trust you. Just as we spoke about all of these people from the Old Testament through into the New Testament, these people that you called... And they would be worried and anxious. Gideon hiding from his enemies. And you said, Gideon, I want you to go and fight them. I don't know how I would have responded to that. But Father, we thank you that Gideon responded with faith. And defeated the enemies. And throughout history, we thank you there have been people who have responded to your call with obedience and faith. And so we are here today because people shared the good news of the gospel with us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for opportunities we are going to have this week and we pray that you would give us courage to speak for you.